Good morning, ladies. Good morning, ladies. There, my friend Susan Coy. Um, well, let me first off just tell you what a privilege it is for um, me to be up here with my daughter. Um, both of us, this is not really our strong suits, speaking in front of a bunch of people, but together we can do it. Um, and uh, I'd love to start out with some prayer. Um, Lord, just thank you for this time. I thank you, Father, for the privilege of parenting and for the uh, privilege of getting to be the first instructors of our children. Um, Lord, just help me and Rach to get out of the way and just let your words flow through us. Um, let your, um, your thoughts be our thoughts. And um, just thank you for this time. I thank you for every woman and family represented here. And Lord, just help us to know you more. May you be glorified through this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, first of all, I just want to read Second uh, Timothy 2.22, which is kind of our over, overline um, scripture for today. Just flee the evil desires of youth. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And um, so, uh, part of parenting is that God really allows and gives us the privilege of teaching our kids through our mistakes. And uh, we get to be the first shepherds of our kids. Um, we talk a lot about that at Watermark, and it really is true. We get to go out ahead of them and... Um, my friend Clint Bruce, I don't know if his wife's here, but he says, learn from my life skills without having to experience my life scars. Where is she? Yeah, she's probably heard that a few times. There you go. Um, and I really, that resonated with me. Um, if I had younger children, younger daughters right now in junior high and high school that really wanted to tan, I would show them the consequences of that decision in my life all those years ago. Um, I'm doing this chemo lotion on my forehead. You can probably tell. And it's painful. And there were consequences to some of those bad decisions I made. I knew I just wanted to be tan. And I knew that there was some warnings, as in sunburns and pain, and that would go away, and I'd just start back up again because I wanted to be outside. I didn't want to wear a hat. That was goofy, whatever. And so... Really, a lot of our decisions we make when we're young have consequences when we're older. And I was just lucky enough to have a great visual for y'all today in my face. Um, when I thought about, oh, I'll do this treatment in January, February, I'm not doing anything then. And then I realized, oh, I'm just speaking in front of y'all. So um, anyway, the less uh, there are things that if you can avoid them, Early in life, you have less pain now, and, and we can see that in lots of areas. Um, I was raised in Houston. I'm the youngest daughter of three. My dad's a geophysicist, and my mom's a piano teacher. And um, in the way of really instructing us in the ways of life, we didn't get much guidance. We got a ton of love, a ton of support, but especially in this area of purity, nothing. And um, when I married my husband 30 years ago, he had about the same. His, he had a single mom for many years, and she was busy with her own life, and he got basically nothing as well. Um, and we had not been perfect in the area of purity, so we really wanted to step up our game with our daughters. And uh, we were blessed with three precious girls. Whitney's almost 27, Rachel's 25, and Audrey's 22. 
And we just thought, this is a big deal to God, and it should be a big deal to us. So, And I'm Rachel. I'm the middle daughter. And so just like my mom said, because of my parents' upbringing, I just really had... I was so blessed to have parents that cared about this, that taught me these things at a young age. And so I wasn't, I could learn from my mom's mistakes and not have to make those myself. And so that's a lot of what we're going to talk about. Just she'll talk about things and then I'll just kind of chime in with the real life, how it actually happened and what I actually heard and um, learned. So we're excited to be here with y'all. Okay, so we moved to Dallas about 20 years ago, so my girls were pretty young at the time, and I was invited to a creative homemaker group, and that's just a much smaller version. That's like a one-table group of what y'all have going on. It was just moms that met. We didn't know what we were doing. I actually had the oldest kids, and we were, we were kind of floundering. We, just, we read books together, and we went to talks together, and one of those talks was a gal named Mary Flo Ridley, who still speaks today. Some of y'all may have already heard her. Um, And her whole point is, we need to talk to our kids sooner than you think. Um, You need to have everyday conversations with them. You need to be walking along the road and see an acorn and oh, that's an acorn, and one, that's a seed, and one day it'll grow up to be a tree. And you need to start introducing the ideas of just sex and sexual purity early on. Um, don't wait till they're hearing it from their friends. Um, everything in the way of literature at that point, it seemed like she thought was addressed to teenagers and parents of teenagers. And she said, that's too late. They're already hearing from their friends at that point, And they're getting bad info usually. So you want to be the front lines on that. Um, and that really, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, um, really speaks to me on that. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And um, that's the time we have with our kids when they're small. You're with them all day long, and you can get those conversations started with if you have animals in the house or, or however that looks. And just, just lead out on that. Um, and that was really our philosophy. Brett, if you know him at all, he's, well, the opposite of a passive man. He's like Mr. Proactive. And so he was going to take this, and we, were, we both decided this was going to be our philosophy as well. We, we knew that God created sex for marriage, that it was good, and we wanted to give our girls all the tools they needed to have success in this area of purity and in waiting for them to give this gift to their husbands. So um, basically, we, in our floundering, just kind of came up with some ceremonies to celebrate our girls. And these have become just our go-tos. And what we wanted to emphasize is be really creative in how you celebrate your kids. Um, You're there to instruct them, but you also can be their biggest cheerleader. And so um, we decided that we would basically have three different ceremonies for our girls. Um, the first one was the Purity Covenant. And at 13, they um, went and looked at rings. Well, actually, before that, they would have dates with Dad and look for rings. And um, we decided when Whitney, Whitney was a guinea pig, so at 13, we thought, this is a good time. So we um, gave, uh, gave her the ring, and then we talked about it. And we have a, we have a copy of that covenant. It's called Covenant Ring. 
And this, this was the first, uh, really ceremony that we did with the girls and we gathered their friends and we went through these verses. I'll read the Proverbs five verses. Um, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he will go astray. And some of that wording probably freaked Whitney out at the time. So that's okay. We want to introduce those terms. And then I'll read Genesis two eighteen through 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpable, helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so we really wanted to set the stage. That is the end goal, is to to have that marriage where you can come together and have, have done things that were honoring to the Lord and how you dated and how you went into marriage, um, if God so choose, chose to bring a spouse to you. Um, the covenant pledge on the next play, page is what we kind of had them and their friends sign. And um, quite frankly, Whitney was a little, it was, she was the first, and so this felt really awkward. And by the time Rachel came along, we'd already done it once. And so we actually kept expanding the people that we had attend the ceremonies. I think her whole small group Mm -hmm. and even some of her friends, and she's going to talk about that. Yeah. So, um, I think with Whitney, it was just family. They were just kind of learning what this is and how to go about it. But with me, I was able to invite my small group and um, just some friends. And that was kind of constant throughout these ceremonies. My mom will talk about the other ones, but some of my friends didn't have the parents I did. I was so blessed to have parents that cared about this, but I had friends that didn't. And so it was really neat for them to get to be a part of these things and them to learn. I have one friend specifically whose parents were divorced, and she was always wanting to ask my dad questions in this area. And that's just such a neat thing to have friends that care about, um, that your parents care about, that feel comfortable talking to your parents and that want to know these things. And so I thought... By the time it was my turn, I wasn't embarrassed about these kinds of things because I th- saw how important they were, and I saw how my friends responded. So, so we, uh, we decided 13 was a good age for that. The next ceremony, which wasn't too much of a ceremony, but we did kind of talk about 
when you're 16 and the keys to the car and the responsibility of that. And um, we have some other friends that made more of a ceremony over that. Ours was just kind of a lot of instruction. Um, so that was kind of the second monument. And then the third was uh, really a send-off before college. We decided um, this is a big deal and a big honor and a big responsibility. And we, we did pretty much the same thing, gathering friends. We made videos, and we really tried to celebrate each of the girls' strengths and just send them off to college with success. And a reminder back of that, of that uh, purity pledge. It was very much just, okay, this is what we're uh, holding you accountable for, and you signed this pledge, and not to be legalistic, and not that that's without some grace there, but we really wanted to remind them. And um, we really get a lot of that um, stacking rocks. It's really a lot of what we've done with the new sanctuary from uh, Joshua 4. And um, I'll start in verse 8. The Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So the whole um, just symbolism of the stacking rocks. And uh, we have some friends, the Nails, and they've actually, they did that at 16. It was kind of a reminder of the Purity Pledge. And they had their daughter's friends and, and some of us moms write verses on, on little rocks and they actually stacked them up in their room. So just any visual, I mean, the, the whole reason why we did the purity ring was that is a great visual. You get to look down at that. Um, we've often been asked, what do you do with boys? And because we have three girls, we haven't really had to dwell on that, but there are things that you can do, and I think there's someone speaking to you from the boy side, um, maybe next month. So hopefully they have a good, a good uh, symbol for that. Um, but anyway, with girls, it was pretty easy. Um, so the next area we started... What? Let me... I was oh. going to say, too... Um, so that send-off was really a, another way, again, that friends could see that and be a part of that. And um, a reminder of the pledge that we had made when we were 13. And so that ring that we wore, that purity ring, we, I wore that up until my wedding day and gave that to my dad. And so that was just a symbol of I've honored the commitment that I made before you and mom and more importantly God but I was able to do that and then that night actually at our reception which some people might have found uncomfortable but I thought most people really appreciate it my dad kind of told the everyone there about that ring and about how now Rachel gets to go enjoy her husband because she has kept herself pure and so just another opportunity to kind of bring that full circle to have your family that may not know and your friends and so was just a good way that we kept that going. So, thanks. Sorry, I forgot about that part. <laughs> um, okay, so then uh, one of the verses, and I'm sure that y'all know this and have taken it to heart, and I've had to tell it to myself a few times since I started this, is Proverbs 31:30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That verse and then the verses in Psalm 139 of just how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God knows it, and it is well. It is just a beautiful thing how we're made. And um, we really started talking about how, how we dress pretty early. 
Um, and I really wasn't always the best person to ask because I don't have as good a taste in clothes. <laughs> so they started asking Brett as much as they asked me. And we, our whole thing was just, you know, keep in mind, you know, as you're little, the things that are really cute when you're three and four, you know, aren't so cute when you're 13 and 14. And just, you know, keep that in mind. And um, just, we, we talked often, I just remember this term, it was HBO, help a brother out. Um, you're really dressing to not make that Christian brother stumble. And it's not just to wear the latest fashions and look as cute as you can. And so the older we got into the teenage years, that really started coming into play. And probably the best thing that I can ever remember, they, and of course, I wasn't, I wasn't invited to this. Um, Brett took all three girls and sat them on a bench near Victoria's Secret. And um, I think Abercrombie and Fitch was nearby too. And so they sat there and watched the reaction of all the men walking in front of Victoria's Secret. And it was horrifying. I mean, it was like old men and young men and all in between. And they just, they just were, uh, well, you can kind of kind of talk about what you were feeling when when he did that yeah I think it was just a good moment for us because as girls you know we're all girls and so we um just me and my sisters we wanted to be fashionable we wanted to look cute we wanted to wear with our what our friends were wearing but I think at that point it was just such a good reminder and I don't even think we were allowed to wear Abercrombie and Fitch but just able to kind of see okay this is a big deal God thinks this is a big deal and so we wanted to honor men in that way and so once we started getting into homecoming dresses and prom dresses and that kind of stuff, I mean, we would talk to our mom about it, but really we would come in and show Dad, is this appropriate? And so it really became a thing that we wanted to honor God in, and we cared about our dad's opinion. And I even remember I've dated um, my husband. We started dating in high school, and so... Um, in college, Audrey, my little sister, she would ask Jason, is this appropriate? <laughs> just because you value those opinions, just knowing that they know what it's like. And realizing that women, we're not sometimes the best to judge that. We're, we don't have the mind of a, of, of a boy. And that was one of the things Brett really emphasized with the girls. Y'all don't know what boys think. So sometimes what you think is appropriate is not. And sometimes they would, they would say, this bathing suit isn't appropriate. And he'd go, I think it's fine. So that was just, if you can involve your husbands early on, and I realize my husband just happened to come from a mom that modeled, and so he, he knew about fashion and color more than I do. He's, he still knows fabric better than we do, but it's kind of funny. Um, but do involve them and try not to uh, go against what they say. You know, some t- I have a friend who said, yeah, listen to your dad and the big roll of the eyes. And that just, I was like, you know, even if they're not the most special, is that going to be a big deal? But what you're t- training them and how they're perceiving your husband is a big deal and their dad. So just be really careful about that. And I don't know, you can look at fashion magazines together or something or talk to Brad. Have your husband talk to Brad. <laughs> Maybe you can give him a little uh, life lesson in fashion. Um, then as the girls got kind of older, we, we didn't really ever do the, um, the group dating so much, but we did make it a point to kind of have outings with families that had boys. Um, we went to a small Christian school until they were in eighth grade, so we didn't really have 
as much interaction in that area as some families. And especially, I think, when you have families with boys and girls, you get a little of that earlier because you have their friends come over. So um, just, I think, having them have those experiences and just, you know, being in groups was always a good thing. Um, The one-on-one dating didn't come uh, till later, and we never had the hard-set rule. You can't date until you're 15 or 16. It was all more about the conversations and um, who you were going to be seeing. It wasn't, it wasn't so much the timing. Um, one of the, one, the things that every boy that dated a Johnston girl had to do was go meet Brett Johnston at his office. And he always set that up for success. It was never an interrogation. It was a loving thing. Um, and sometimes it... There were boys that weren't willing to do that, and and that was painful and a little bit of heartache, but um, at the end, I think everybody agreed those weren't the kind of boys we wanted to be dating, so it was it ended up okay, but there were, there were some struggles mm-hmm. over that, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that we told our girls early on, um, Brett got from one of his seminary professors, it was the three nothings, and everybody knew about the three nothings. And the boys they dated were supposed to know about the three nothings. And they seem really obvious, but sometimes they're not. The three nothings were nothing below the neck, nothing comes off, and nothing lying down. And so um, that, was, that was it. And so you go, well, that's pretty clear, right? <laughs> but uh, what, what this professor said sometimes happens is you're in a group and you're you know, 14, 15 years old, and you're watching a movie, and you start getting comfortable, and then you start sliding down and laying down, and then you realize it's just me and one guy left, you know, and just so to set that up for, that's just a good hard rule, and uh, so yeah, you wanna yeah, talk about that? we, um, and not only for, like, if they wanted to go on a date with us, but if they wanted to take us to homecoming, or like, I think I even remember if we wanted to take a boy to you know, Sadie's or something, dad had to meet them too. So it, was a, it wasn't just to date a boy. It was to be um, with a boy on a date type event. But um, I started dating my now husband um, my junior year of college. And so I'm high school, yes. <laughs> um, um, but looking back, I'm so thankful that my dad did all that because it really set us up for success. And Jason comes from a family, we met at church, so he comes from a great family, but my dad could have just assumed, well, he knows all that we've taught our girls because he comes from Watermark and whatnot, but he really took the time to invest in Jason. And so some of the verses just for dating that we thought of were... Um, 1 Corinthians six eighteen through 20, which says, Free, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And so just having... Knowing those verses and having my dad be a part of that was a really big deal, which continued throughout Jason and I's relationship. And um, dad really poured into Jason, giving him books. And so when we did have, I remember one time specifically, we were in college and um, Jason and I both worked at Pine Cove one summer. And so my parents have a place 
out in Kaufman. We were like, oh, let's just go there for the weekend. That would be great. And so obviously we couldn't stay there by ourselves. So I was staying at the neighbor's house. But we came back, and we were just sitting on the couch. And then all of a sudden we were just kind of napping on the couch. And my dad's friend, Al, walked in, Al Neal, that my mom talked about earlier. And I was horrified, you know. We said nothing lying down. We said all these, you know. And so it was just a moment where, because of Jason's parents pouring into him, but my dad pouring into him, Jason was able to call Al and just say, I'm sorry, will you you forgive me? And ask me for my forgiveness. And then even call my dad and ask for his forgiveness because he knew just what a big deal that was. And because he had made kind of promises to my dad to honor those rules that we had. So that's just an example. So y'all don't think that we did everything right because we didn't by any means. So when we got that call, we were like, that was all. (laughs) Okay. Um, It was good though. But Brett did. He, he checked in with Jason pretty frequently and, um, you know, it, it, it might've seemed awkward to other people, but because we, we were on the same track. It was just great. And that's just another, um, the verses about, you know, not being yoked with unbelievers and believers that, or people that just don't feel the same way as you. That's just, you know, it just makes life so much easier. And if you, uh, not that everyone's going to marry someone or date someone that has the same background, but it just, when your child is dating someone who's been raised the same way, it just, it's, it's just a smoother road. And, um, Our oldest daughter um, dated a boy that really didn't have that kind of history, and Brett tried to pour pour into him. He would call him and be willing to meet him, and the guy would kind of go, sure, and then never follow through, and and that didn't end so well. Um, There was some heartache there, and so you can't always, I mean, I think I come back to my responsibility is to train my children and to be faithful to the Lord and how I do that, and then sometimes there is pain involved, and and uh, so I'll just, I'll leave it at that, but just, just know that your responsibility, it's like, uh, you know, it's really somewhat like sharing the gospel. Your responsibility is to be obedient, and then God takes it um, and uses it how he will. So just do your part, I guess. Um, so um, there are some parenting things that say, you know, moms pour into the daughters and dads pour into the sons, and I... I love the people that say that, but for us, that just really wasn't an option. We didn't have boys to pour into, and I don't think, I think Brett would have poured into the girls no matter what. So I think that's just something you need to discuss, but I think it was awkward at first when we, when we ventured into this world, but the more we talked about it, the less awkward it got. Brett, um, you know, like the age of 10 and 11 would go, okay, you're on a date. How far are you going to go with a boy? And Whitney would just run screaming, like, ah, I don't want to talk about this, you know. But Rachel and Audrey were sitting there listening. And so the next time he asked, okay, you're on a date. How far are you going to go with the boy? It was less awkward. And so by the time you're 15 or 16 and you're on a date with a boy, you've thought about that. And you have some ready-made, okay, this is how I'm going to respond. Because when things happen is when you haven't thought about it. And so just to start having those conversations and... It, yeah, it was awkward at first. Um, and I even questioned Brett, I think, like, really? I think you don't want to be putting those thoughts in their heads. And he goes, I know what I'm doing. So trust, <laughs> trust your guy and, um, and go get community if you don't agree. So, 
And I would even add, just, I mean, Jason and I are expecting our first in July, so don't have kids yet, but I do lead a small group of ninth grade girls, and so we are always talking about this kind of stuff and asking them what their boundaries are, and some of them are like, I don't even like boys, and that's fine, but we're going to talk about it. And so last year we had an instance where we were trying to bring something up, and one of the girls, her parents hadn't talked to her about that yet. And so it was just a good reminder that you guys are the first kind of educators, and you, and you don't want to the, have them learning things at church or at school, but rather church and school reinforcing what you've already taught them. So That's great. Um, the other thing we try to do is not encourage even from a young age, just real silly behavior. Brett just said, you don't need to be silly around boys. And um, just not promoting the early boyfriend, the early girlfriend. I mean, some of that is pretty cute. But um, I think it just sets them up for thinking that's what they want. Um, and as an example, and if you've done this, no, no, uh, no condemnation, but just... <laughs> Maybe not dressing up as bride and groom and going out for Halloween with your best friend's, you know, son, if you have a daughter. I mean, just not putting those kind of thoughts into their head when they really don't need to be thinking about it. So just just thinking of really, okay, is this God's best? And if you've done it, there's grace. But that's where we kind of came down. We were not going to be silly around boys. Um, and Proverbs 4.23 is, um, my girls have heard this a lot. Mm-hmm. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Um, you're just, those kind of things help set you up for success to help them guard their hearts. And um, also Jeremiah seventeen nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who, who can understand it? So that, those verses are great for lots of things when, when they have the teenage crushes and their hearts are just, you know, they think they're going to break and you can get to remind them, you know of all those great truths of scripture and of, and of, uh, how God's going to take care of him. He is the lover of our soul. And these are, these are usually temporary. Um, so, and yeah, and I would just even add that we, I mean, we had friends that were boys, but they were never our best friends. And I don't know that my parents like made that a rule, but I think it was just kind of a known thing. We weren't going to be silly around boys. We weren't going to make it a big deal. We weren't, you know, and then going into high school, we weren't going to initiate with boys we liked. We weren't going to text them hi and try to start something. We just knew we weren't going to be silly about that kind of stuff. We were going to take it seriously because we understood kind of from a young age that dating was serious, that we didn't just date. We didn't, none of us had boyfriends like in fifth grade or whatever. We just knew that wasn't going to last. That wasn't important. That wasn't really worth it. And so we kind of saw the value of dating early on through those little examples. And I'm seeing my friend Kathy McJunkin up here. And I do remember a conversation that she and I had where girls would text her boys all the time. And she would be like, what do you do? You know? And so those girls' parents weren't saying, hey, guys don't even like that. It's kind of annoying. And so, you know, and this is a new a new era where it's so available. And I think what you say on a text or a email, you would probably never say out loud sometimes. And so just to really let them know. And then once that gets out there, it's out there and you can't take it back just, just like your words. And so be really careful. Um, and I think that's where 
There's all kinds of things. We're going to talk about the Internet and all kinds of safeguards, and those are wonderful. We, we just happened to hit an era before all that was really out there. But um, we built a house um, when Rachel was in third grade, and we had it all wired for Internet, every room, every bedroom. And quickly we discovered, uh-uh, they're not going to have their own computer in their room. We had one computer in a central room where everybody could walk by and see what you were doing, and that was the first safeguard that we had. Um, and just really, you've got you to talk to their heart about it because the second they go to a friend's house and they might not have the same safeguards you do, you, that's where things happen. But, um, you know, so you just talk about why would we want to put those images in our head or why would you want to go here? And um, I know that there's probably other speakers that will talk more to that. But just really thinking through those decisions. Does everyone need everything? And I think, I think there's a lot of pressure on y'all as young moms as far as phones and iPads and everything. Um, our girls didn't get a computer till like, of their own until they went to college. And so I just think you really have to be thoughtful and wise and give grace. Um, but really talk why... Why? Not the how. Brett's the king of saying, you know, the, the Bible is a why. Why do we follow the Lord and why do we do these things? It's not a how to do everything like this. And so you just really talk to the heart of that. Um, the same thing with curfew. We weren't really, like, strict on curfew. I mean, we had a curfew time, but really most of the time if, if the girls called in and said, hey, I'm going to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, there was a lot of grace given. There wasn't grace if you didn't call. And so... <laughs> We had a few harsh days, one that they still remind me of. They had to go sweep our whole barn and Kaufman out, and they had blisters, and Brett and I were like, yeah, and you probably won't be late next time. <laughs> You'll remember that. Um, but just, you know, decide, um, you know, you were going to talk a little about that. Well, I just thought in high school, you're kind of pushing back already, like, do I really have to have a curfew? But looking back, I'm really so thankful for it. My friends that didn't have a curfew probably got in a lot more trouble than I did. And again, it was flexible. They were gracious. And that went with a lot of things. They were very gracious if you were willing to have the conversation and willing to be honest and upfront about it. But especially going into the years Jason and I were dating, having that curfew was a good thing. I think Dad and Mom both always said, nothing good happens after midnight anyways. you know. And so just knowing that, okay, this is a good thing. For us, this is a good safeguard. We need to just know at 12 o'clock, we just go to our own houses and we're done for the night. And so that was a helpful thing, even though I'm sure we pushed back a lot at times. And proms and things that got special allowances. So anyway, that was the other thing is, and this is for way in the future for most of y'all, but the, the huge thing now is after prom or any big party, you go to a, you go to a lake house, a, a ranch house, and... And really just start thinking through those decisions. We actually just built this barn right as those times were heading out. And we ended up going, we'll just go to the barn. And so we could supervise it. It was the closest house around. It wasn't fancy. There wasn't that much you could get in trouble with. Um, but that's just another thing. that we, we did that maybe one time in high school. Now it's every time, every party, every homecoming, every prom. And so... Once again, the pressures are a little bit higher, so just be thinking about that. Um, and then the books, 
I guess I wasn't that big of a reader back then because I can't remember the books that I read with the girls. But by that point, they all had their small group leaders. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, in small group, we read um, Captivating, Lady in Waiting, and then Passion and Purity. And so at that point, it was... I was probably more comfortable talking to my small group leader about certain things than my parents, but there was nothing new. You know, there, my parents had had those conversations, so my small group leaders were able to reinforce those things and kind of continue to teach me what it looked like to be pure in my dating relationship and to honor God. And so those were great books that I read, and I'm sure there's lots more now. But yeah, we're not really up to date on those, so just a disclaimer there. Um, Okay, and then we talked a little about uh, how Brett poured into the boys, uh, the girls dated, and Jason has been our kind of poster child, so uh, you'll hear a lot about him. But um, the verse that he, that Brett would always share with the boys that came to take our girls out was 1 Timothy 5.2. It's talking about treating younger men as brothers and older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And putting that thought into a teenager boy is kind of horrifying. Like, this is how we expect you to treat Rachel, like your mom or your sister. And, you know, Jason has both. So he was like, oh. And um, way back early in uh, the Watermark days, they had, I don't know if they still show up, but it's a Leave it to Beaver sketch. And it's Beave telling his mom goodbye. And they say, okay, bye, Beave. Have a great day. Thanks, Mom. And he gives her a little... peck on the cheek and then all of a sudden he leans her down and just does a full make out on her and it's just and, and then I guess it was Todd or whoever said that's that's pretty horrifying to think about so you know that's just a great verse to to put in those uh put in the back of the wings when you when your people start dating um because it's really until it's just a great verse to to have there um and that kind of that was a good boundary for Rachel and Jason and for us to help set up. Um, we, we had a two-story house at the time that the girls were mainly dating, and no boys were ever allowed upstairs, which was kind of easy since they don't have brothers. And no boys were allowed inside the house if we weren't home. And um, that was just, we just said, you know, that's just not what we're going to be about. And so we would come home sometimes, and they'd be sitting out in the front yard just waiting on us. Um, or they would call and go, what should I do? And we just go, go some, go somewhere where there's some parents. You don't need to be doing that. And that helped, uh, Rachel and Jason took that on and made even more boundaries for themselves in college, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just through that example in college, I realized, okay, this is a big deal. This is an area where we could really stumble if we're not really watching ourselves. And so in college I was like, how can I kind of use what my parents have told me and do that in my dorm room? And so for Jason and I, it was the door was always open in the dorm room. And, you know, if my roommate wasn't there, we might stay for a little bit, but we're not going to spend a lot of time in the room alone. And we, you know, our dates were with people or in public places a lot of times. And so just kind of continuing that, because what I had seen in high school was just as important now that I was on my own in college. Once again, having those conversations and having them already thinking about that was really helpful. Um, And really the last thing is just the music. And I think this is an area where there's, it's really gray. So just kind of know what your kids are listening to. There wasn't often that we were surprised and we're both kind of music people, Brett and I. So we, we were pretty up to date. Um, 
But just just have those conversations. Once again, it comes to their heart. It's not it's not exactly unless it's just foul language, but it's you know country, Christian, classical, whatever. I mean, it's. It's what's going on and what it leads them to think about that's the important thing. I think don't get caught up in, you know, exactly that. And Rachel said, you know, their iTunes were always linked to our credit cards. So we had a little bit of power there. So you can't download, you know, I don't even know a rapper anymore. So (laughs) y'all could probably help me with that. But just be, you know, aware. I think that's just the biggest thing. Be aware of what your kids are doing. Um... One of the verses that um, we have some friends, the Zanstras, that run Pine Cove Christian Camps, and they refer to Philippians 4, 8 as their whatever verses. And so that's kind of their life grid. Um, Laura might be here. Maybe not. Um, but it's uh, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And um, that's just a good grid. You know, is the music you're listening, is, is it doing that? Is it, is it making you want to be more pure? Is it making you want to think of lovely thoughts? You know, same thing with the Internet and the books they read. And, you know, just you can take that if you want and just have it be your grid if you haven't thought that. Um, so it's just never too early to have those conversations, and it's never too late. So y'all are, y'all are pretty young, so you're hitting it right. But just I just encourage you, take these verses, um, take what we've said, and take whatever you want as your own. And that's why we gave you that purity covenant, or make it your own. Um, but just we wanted to encourage you with that. So I think we're going to break into your small groups, and if you have any questions... Um, our husbands are going to come up and help us answer. So, uh, I don't know how long, but thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for uh, letting us come up here, and thanks for showing up to this. There's my friend Susan Coy. Susan thinks it's weird that I know about material like what taffeta and eider down and those kinds of things are most guys probably don't know that kind of stuff but i do and the proper uses thereof uh we had when we were uh sherry and i when we were were dating and, and how we grew up she was really clear that we didn't have a lot of boundaries my mom uh was a mess and she grew up in a really crazy time uh she was one of the first kim dawson models here in dallas and you know so she had this jet set lifestyle, so anything went in our home. Every, there were no boundaries. We were you know, told to experiment with everything. So coming into a relationship with Christ and then knowing that there needed to be boundaries, I knew that we had to start a new generation. So some of y'all may have a story similar to that and wondering, how are you going to pass this on to your kids? And, and let that be the first generation. I mean, this is our first generation where we can pass these things on, and we know that they're going to now pass them on to their kids. So let it, let it start somewhere. Is all I wanted to say. One of the things Sherry said about music, too, when she said rap music, we're, we were not worried about rap music. We were worried about content. I mean, Casey Musgraves, you know, the great singer right now, that Follow Your Era song is awful. I mean, it's just awful content. So, and I, and I like Casey Musgraves, by the way. She's got some other songs that are not so bad. Most everybody in the, in the world today has a bad song or two. So, but, but y'all ought to know what those are. So, anyhow. 
Enough from that. Also add movies to that. The only thing I don't did y'all cover movies or did I was I Yeah, so movies what they did really well and my parents did really well was if you were seeing a movie at all, you looked it up on screen it, uh plugged in, kids in mind. Me probably all three. Uh they were just kids in mind. But that's a great way to say, you know, you're gonna read through this and if you're really comfortable saying I'm gonna see this with my friends, with a girl and guys mixed company. We trust you, especially after 16, yeah. 14. Yeah, we had told our kids that they can see any movie they can legally see, okay? So, right. think of the age. And we weren't going to let Hollywood decide, but there's a great site called kidsinmind.com, and they give a score on sexual content, language, and violence on every movie. And so, 10 would be really bad. For example, um, the new one out, the... Uh, Wall Street Wolf or whatever it's called. I mean, that's a 10 in sexual content. It doesn't get any higher than that. There is no higher sexual content in any movie than that rating. So that will very quickly tell you, you know, and you'll have to decide what that means for you. But it, it, it's great when you read those things because you'll not be surprised by seeing a movie that you end up walking out of because you were surprised by the content. All right, here, here's a question. Here's a bunch. I'm just going to pick the ones that are really good. So if I didn't pick yours, it's because it's not good. <laughs> just kidding. Um, actually, I can't read them here. Go. Um, the, the, uh, one of this question says, did your younger girls attend sessions or ceremonies with older girls? And so, yeah, we did the ceremonies all together. Uh, even, even the first initial talks, unfortunately, they were just, we kind of ran as a little pack because they're less than four years between all three of them. So they did start hearing it. And I, I think that actually made it easier for the younger ones because they had heard and been involved in those ceremonies the whole time. So here's a good one. It says, sweet Rachel, that's her, uh, seems like a rule follower at heart. Were all of your girls that way? If not, how did they respond to this kind of intentionality? Uh, and if they all were rule followers, what is your secret? Um, yes, uh, all of my kids were perfect, and they never did anything. No, we actually have two that will really stretch the boundaries in a huge way. Uh, the oldest one, when she was really young, she had an incredibly strong will. And so we had, to, we had to do things in different ways. Rachel, actually Sherry and I can't remember ever spanking Rachel. Neither one of us can remember spanking Rachel. Um, we did the other two a lot, <laughs> especially the youngest one. We couldn't think of enough things not to tell her to do. <laughs> so she was very exact on, on things. Now, I think with uh, you have to just be real creative in how you do things. And so I didn't want to be the person that was always telling my kids about the rules. I wanted to tell them why. So I wanted to show them why rules were important and why these things mattered. So that thing, like at Victoria's Secret, we were standing there or sitting there and listening to these men walk by and saying these things. I mean, and just, whoa. And it was this picture of, you know, remember when the angel thing first came out and they're all there and they're in these little model posters of, you know, scantily clad, not clad at all type things. And just listening to the comments. And, and Whitney said, that is, that is just a bad person. That's a bad. I said, honey. That's how men think. That's your dad. That's your grandpa. That's your uncle. That's your cousin. That's the way men think. And if you want men to think that way of you, you are free to dress that way. It made the point. I never really had that conversation too many times after that. 
so try to think of ways to creatively do that. So with, the, with Whitney, her, her non-rule-following ways followed her, and she didn't always do it exactly the way that we'd asked. And uh, one of the guys that she dated in college didn't end so well. Um, restraining order is where it ended. So it wasn't a great time, and Whitney uh, didn't heed some of the warnings, and she didn't listen to some of the things... But what was great about that is she later came back and said, you know, you are so right. And so when we were having a question with our youngest daughter, Whitney was just in her face going, you need to listen to dad. He's right. He is really, you know, I know it's hard, but he is right. And God has him in your life for a reason. And we're going to have to stand before God one day and say how we shepherded these kids. And that's the talk that I had with Jason and, and all the boys. Look, I am in charge of shepherding this kid, this girl, this lovely thing. And I'm going to let you in on that for this one night on this date or, or this relationship while you're dating. But let, me kn- let you know, I take it seriously until such time. And I even said this to Jason once. I said, you know, the chances of you being her husband are almost zero. <laughs> so just remember that. I showed you, didn't I? Oh, yeah. The other question was, how old were they when they did the Victoria's Secret? I think Whitney was 12 or 13, and you were probably 10 or 11, and Audrey was probably Nine, seven, eight. eight. Yeah. <laughs> Brett is full throttle on this stuff. <laughs> it's, it's fine if they're eight or nine. Uh, I'll add on kind of, so he touched, this question was, when uh, boys would meet the dad, Brett, at his office, what would he talk to them about? Um, exactly what he said it was it was a very very intimidating situation which is probably to be expected and honestly i'm sure he got a little bit of sick joy out of that uh but i will add to that it was also very very memorable for me i still remember probably 90 percent of that conversation the first 10 i'm probably like i i just hope i don't say anything completely wrong but he just talked about hey my daughter is a, is very special to me. Um, my daughters are, and I'm entrusting you with something that I've spent my whole life, you know, loving someone I've spent my whole life loving, uh, building up, raising. And so on that, it was like, okay, I, I see the seriousness of this girl, of how much he cherishes her, how much Sherry cherishes her. And, you know, made me recognize as a 16 year old, 15 year old idiot, uh, you know, how, much I'm what I'm getting into the this how serious of a thing it was and it wasn't just hey you're getting to hang out with some girl like this is somebody who means everything to me so that set me on a a very good path of hey you know I got to understand what I'm getting myself into so and I would also just be encouraging you to pray for your kids spouses I mean I've been praying for this man right here since before he was born I had no idea who he was obviously uh, but Rachel's much older than Jason is why I prayed for him. So. <laughs> Five months. Uh, it says, any thoughts when encouraging our husbands to be more open with their daughters? Um, I would get them involved in, in men's ministry and have them around other guys in your community. I think it's really hard sometimes when dad's saying, well, I just don't know what to say to my daughters. I don't know how to communicate those types of things. And I always say back to them, then just wait on that 15-year-old boy to do it in the back seat. Oh, no, I don't want that. Well, that's what's going to happen. The things that you don't tell your kids that are so awkward, the only thing more awkward than talking to your son or daughter about masturbation or whatever it is, is having someone else talk to them about it. That's their age. 
So that puts things in perspective. I didn't mean to suck the life out of the room there. <laughs> Full throttle. Kyle Thompson would be proud of me, though. I did get the M word in. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, what age did silly become off limits with boys? Please define silly. Silly to me is, is that because they're a boy, not being silly like we're playing and we're tackling and doing that, but that silly boy thing like when two girls go up and, and yeah, kick a boy and then they run around and they're silly in the corner. I mean, we, just, we just try to get away from that. Um, and, and there's a fine line there. I mean, you don't want to be legalistic and you don't want to raise kids that have no social interaction with boys. That, you know, creates... Oddness. So. <laughs> I think y'all got that. Okay. I, don't, I mean, this question was, what are your thoughts on cheerleaders? Is that the right word? Yeah, cheerleaders. Since even Christian schools have them. Okay. Uh, I went to a Christian school. I, I, I guess part of that question is modesty, I'm assuming. Correct? Um, I didn't ever think that was weird. Uh, my sister was a cheerleader. Uh, I also understand it is kind of a low-cut situation going on. Um, shorts, w- uh, they put the little thing under. So I, I'm just, I'm probably going to leave this question alone, in other words. But more of the story is, yeah, like, so we'd go to Mavs games. So this answers this question a little more. Uh, we'd go to Mavs games, we'd go to Cowboys games with my dad, and he'd kind of, you know, say, hey, this is not where life is found, this is not. So that's, a, I guess, more of a man-to-man conversation, but I'm sure my mom and my dad were having that same conversation with my sisters of, this is not who you want to aspire to be. Uh, those, there's really sweet girls who do that, don't hear me saying that, but the uh, dress code of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders is, you know, obviously not up to par um, spiritually. Yeah, and so my dad would just say, hey, turn your head, and I just, it became familiar to not want that. It, it, was, it was desirable to protect my heart, to guard myself, and for my sisters as well, and I'm, I mean, they grew up the same exact way, so. Okay, this one says, Mr. Johnston, first of all, it's Brett, it's okay. Uh, what did you say to the boys you met at your office? I think Jason kind of covered that, but I would always just ask them, how are you going to protect my daughter? I said, you know, God's going to call you to protect her, and, and it was weird sometimes because, hey, I'm just like this is a prom date. I mean, it's not like I'm ever going out with her again. Uh, but we would talk if it became more relational, just how are you going to protect them uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? And, and let's not forget, the physical promiscuity is an easy conversation. Well, maybe not easy conversation, but it's, a, it's an obvious conversation. There's also emotional promiscuity. And the other thing is in a church sometimes... Uh, you get guys where they think it's a good idea to have another girl as their accountability partner, and all of a sudden they have this really close, uh, intimate prayer time together, or they're in the Word together in this intimate way. And, and I would say that those are the things that are supposed to be held for a husband as well, or a, or a wife. So we just encourage them, you know, they are now. But back then, Jason, don't make her your accountability partner. She does not need... And don't say dumb things that a 17-year-old boy shouldn't say, like, I love you, or you're the be- most beautiful woman in the world. I mean, how many times are you going to say that? You can say it now. I mean... Yeah. If I you, do. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The only thing I'd add to that, too, is we didn't... So we chose not to say I love you because of that until, we, until I proposed. Uh, so that was uh, five years of 
for a guy like me who's like oversensitive and her as well, it was really hard, but it was a very good discipline for me. And also, uh, knowing exactly what Brett talked about of guarding her heart emotionally, guarding her sexually, spiritually, he, I was always aware was her shepherd until we got married. And so I was not, that was not my duty. I was supposed to, I kind of had the reins in a way while we were at college of, you know, his approval of, Hey, you're, you're kind of watching over her, but I'm still top dog. And my understanding was absolutely. But, you know, I also want to shepherd her a tear down from you. And so not saying I love you, not emotionally getting involved that way was something that was really good for both of us. And it, 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 it created a healthy, uh, not separation, but you know, a gap between us that didn't connect us too emotionally too quickly. So so the question was, how do you guard yourself emotionally since you dated in high school and college? So again, just all those things that they're talking about. Jason and I didn't pray together. We also just decided we weren't going to do communion together. We didn't say I love you like he said. But there was just certain things like we didn't even have conversations about our future till we were ready to. So we had friends that when they got to, ha- to college got real serious and, and started having those conversations. And we just realized from what our parents had taught us that we didn't need to have those conversations. That was at, you know, at least four years away. And so Jason had those conversations with me when he was ready to propose, you know, months before, but not years before. Here's a good question. It says, how do you model sexual purity, proper sexual activity in your relationships with your girls? Um, w- the thing that we talked about a long time when they were really young is we always talked about sex being good and it's a gift from God. We never talked about sex being bad. We never used it in a negative form. God's blessing is always given to us when it's used in the proper way. And when it's not, it's never a blessing. It's a curse. And that's how Satan wants to lie to us and, and take something that's good and make it into something that's bad. And I've had conversations with so many couples that struggle in this relationship or in this area later in their relationship because they went from thinking sex is bad, sex is bad, to, well, now sex is good, sex is good. No, sex is good. Sex is always good in marriage. And it's always going to be a curse outside of marriage. And so that's the conversations that we had early on. Uh, the other thing is we were believers in using proper language when we talked to them. You know, we didn't have funny little names for all the body parts. We used the actual name so that later it wasn't odd, you know, when the kids are going through the... Well, it still can be odd when they say the proper word. Uh, my itches, what do I do, Daddy? Like, no, nah, that's odd. I get it. Um, but still, I think you've got to use the proper, the proper terminology and, and try to, you know, make it not weird. And also, you need to ask, answer the questions that are asked. Sometimes I try to go too probing into, like, Audrey asked one time, you know, where did I come from? And I think she just meant, like, Houston. And I went into the whole, you know, thing and, well, this happens. And, and Rachel's looking at me going, really, Dad? No. Too much information. Yeah, so I'll let Rachel answer this, but I'll start it out. Because it says, was the wedding night your, uh, slash your marriage hard to flip the switch sexually? So kind of going off of that. And I'll just say no. Uh, but I'll, I'll let her expound on that. I think because of what my dad said, because it wasn't like, sex is bad, don't do it. It was, sex is great when you're married. So save that for your marriage. What a gift you get to give your husband. And so I never had this gross view of it or that it was a, 
really dirty thing, but I just knew that it was for when you were married. So it wasn't hard to go, okay, now I am married. It wasn't, that wasn't a hard switch because I knew the context where sex was okay. And I forgot on my talk, I actually talked about that, but um, I'm very visual, like I've already confessed, um, but fire and water are those two things that I think of out of context. Those are some really awful things, but in context, they're wonderful. There's nothing better than sitting by a nice warm fire when it's really cold outside, but out, out of the context of that, it can be really damaging. And so I did think, I do think I use some of those terms as to just, you know, this is the, this is the context. We want to keep that. Um, any specific, specific strategies for handling body image issues, ways to reinforce a positive body image. Um, that's a hard one. And, you know, having all girls, I think we were pretty sensitive to that. And really one of my go-to verses for any of that kind of thing is Psalm 139. And just, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I have to remind myself that. I reminded them of that often. But it's still a hard one, and so I don't think I have great answers for that. But I think a lot of that comes from the dad, too. And I think when you talk to your kids early, I realized very early that we had three different kids in terms of the way they acted and the way they are. I mean, you look at Rachel, she's like a small person. You know, she's short. And Whitney is like Amazonian, 5'11 and a half. So, sorry, Whitney, I didn't mean that in a bad way. She's not here. She won't hear this, so it's okay. Don't tell her, please. No. So, so Whit, Whitney struggled in different ways in, in that, but we've always said that you need to dress for the body you have, not the one you want. And so many women dress for the body that they want instead of the body that they have. And saying that from an early age gave me the freedom and them the freedom for us to just have those conversations. So it's not a weird thing for me to say, hey, Whitney, Audrey, Rachel, you know, is that the most appropriate thing to wear tonight? I just, I don't think that's that's your best look. I mean, that's, you know, and, and, and they're not offended by that. It's not a body image issue because we started talking when they were really young about those kinds of things. All right. Here's another question. What are self-stimulation warning signs and how do you address it in a young child? Uh, I think this is a tough one. I think it's one that you have to really have a lot of grace, but I think it's one you have to have the conversation. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. If, if you want to send me an email, brett at suntexurbana.com. So S-U-N-T-X-U-R-B-A-N-A.com. Um, I, I have like 70 or 80 pages on all of these kinds of questions that may be interesting to you, maybe not. You can delete it if you want. But we talk specifically about uh, the verses and, and stimulation and talking about, you know, God's, God tells us how to deal with those things, you know, to flee from them. And then he, later, when you're old enough, to marry. So, but I think you also have to have a lot of grace in that area. I mean, that's stuff that everyone's going to deal with at some point. So don't be afraid to have the conversation. That's, that's the weirdest thing, is to make it weird, is by just don't talk, not talking about it. Yeah, and on that, uh, Kyle Kegler is uh, in charge of family ministry here. And he, he always talks about like being prepared with an answer for if your kid walks in, so he has three daughters, he says, you know, Hopefully not, but if my daughter walks in and says, "Hey, I'm pregnant," what's my response? Am I ticked off, or do I, you know, give her scripture? Do like having that mental preparation, thinking ahead, exactly what Rachel and Shay were talking about. Of hey, if you're in the back seat with a boy, first of all, why are you in the back seat? But second of all, 
what are you going to do? Or if he starts to say, hey, let's make out, what's your response? Thinking through that. So in the same way, having a, a mental preparation of if your son, daughter walks in the room and says, hey, I'm, I'm addicted to porn or I'm struggling with this, et cetera, uh, how are you going to respond to it? Being ready to answer that. This one says, we have two sons and two daughters, a two-story house. Any suggestions on good boundaries with having boys, girls over at the same time or at the house or whatever? So my parents, I have a sister older and a sister younger than me. So like it was very, very common to have like 30 people over at our house on a Friday night. It could be 10 of her friends, 20 of my friends, whatever. Uh, And because I was way more popular than my sister. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but just, just having a lot of people over was not weird. And, and so for me, I think my parents did a great job of saying, Hey, Rachel and you are never over there alone. Uh, exact same rule over at Brett and Sherry's house. But I think with, you know, three people, four people, my parents weren't really that, uh, strict on, Hey, as long as it's a group and we're not there, we're okay with that. We trust your friends, but where that all starts is like, so for me, I was, in a relationship with Brett. And so he trusted me. He's, you know, so if we would have said, Hey, I'm over here with Rachel to my buddies and his girlfriend, are you cool with us all being over at our house? He says, yes. Cause I trust you, Jason. I know your heart's great. And, and so the only thing I kind of add on to that is for a guy. So when your daughters start dating, if their boy is not willing to have a relationship with uh, father-in-law to be possibly, then that's for me anyway, a very telltale sign. And they kind of talked about Whitney's ex-boyfriend who that was kind of part of the history. And so when you see that, that's a very easy warning sign that, Hey, this guy might have some hidden or maybe not so hidden agendas. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, we, we are all about hanging out in groups, but as long as it's a group, um, and the upstairs, downstairs, I'd just say, Hey, if, if everyone's downstairs, it's probably always a better place than if there's two people upstairs or three people upstairs. There's just a lot more traffic. Traffic is kind of the interruptible is, you know, what the word they use a lot. Um, being able to people walk in and, you know, know what's going on. We open the door in college, that whole deal. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, we weren't. Yeah. So we weren't allowed to stay at home alone until we were probably able to drive, honestly. And we probably wouldn't have anyways, because we didn't have the ability to get over there. Uh, there's a question here that talks about just, um, well, I'll tell you a story. That'd be easier way to say it. We have a friend who, uh, whose daughter really never dated. She never had a date. She never was asked out in high school. And the dad had these kinds of rules. And, you know, the, so the, the guy that wanted to ask this girl out was not willing to meet with the dad. And the mom talked the dad into saying, well, golly, this is prom. It's her senior year. It's a big deal. You know, let's let her go. I mean, we don't know this guy, but we know people who have seen him before at least. Let's, you know, let her go do that. Uh, make a long story short, that ended up at 2 o'clock in the morning, her calling from a Seven Eleven in East Dallas saying, come get me, I'm in trouble. You don't ever want that call. You don't want to lower a boundary because the world says your daughter's supposed to go to prom. You know, that's, that's the only thing worse than not going to prom is getting that call and the things that she went through that night. That, that's the kind of stuff that stays with you a lot longer than not going to, to prom. It says, if your daughter came to you at a young age, seven through nine, and said a boy told her that another boy has a crush on her, how would you respond and have that conversation? 
uh, I would first try to ask her if she understood what that meant. Um, and that, that's, that's the kind of the silliness about boys. And it's like you can't control what other people do. But that's the kind of terminology that people use. And no one really knows what it means. Seven and nine, he has a crush on you. I mean, it seems harmless. But I would have the conversation with the girl. I wouldn't necessarily go have the conversation with the boy. Now, at some point, if he did something stupid, I would. We, had a, we did have a situation where we had um, some boys doing some really inappropriate texting uh, when Audrey was in fifth grade or sixth grade, was it? Instant messaging. Fifth grade, sixth grade? And, and I knew one of the, the boys' parents, and, and I did go have the conversation with them. And um, when I, the way I handled that is I said, look, I'd like to talk to your son with you present, but I don't want to tell you what it's about because I want your son to have the freedom to expose himself and own it and move through it. So I went and actually I met with these three boys and their three dads. And one of the dads was like all in, great. I, want, I would love to know what this is so I can help my son. And one of the dads was just the opposite. Like, why won't you tell us? This is really weird. And so we're sitting there and he said, well, what's the inappropriate? What, what do you do? Did he text something about boobs? I mean, who cares? I mean, sixth, sixth grade. I mean, they're going to talk about boobs. And no, it wasn't quite that innocuous. And uh, I mean, it, it was something that this boy had seen or heard on television. And it was, it was very graphic. It was very over the top. And when I told the dad what it was, he was like, oh, my gosh. And so then we got to have the conversation with the boys. And each of those boys uh, owned it as much as they could. And I said to them that day, I said, guys, this is not what defines you. I mean, you made a mistake. You didn't probably even really know what you were writing. But you need to know that you can't talk to people this way. Mm-hmm. And you need to have accountability in your life. And every time I see you, I want you to look me in the eye and shake my hand. I don't want this ever to be a weird thing. And to this day, every time I see that young man, he's 23 years old, he walks right up to me and shakes my hand. Mr. Johnson, how are you doing? So good to see you. I mean, just, and it's a great relationship. And he knows that he was forgiven for that, you know, lack of judgment when he was sick. I mean, we all do stupid things, right? But just be your child's advocate. That was the other thing to our kids. We just like, I am your advocate. If something happens that I need to handle, I am going to handle. You know, Todd talks about the story about some kid pinching his daughter's rear end at the junior high. Well, I'm not as intimidating as Todd, I promise you. <laughs> Todd had a conversation with that young man. And He's didn't dead go to jail now. afterwards, so that's good. <laughs> what did you say? And then He's dead now. Uh, He's dead now. <laughs> uh, uh, the only thing I'd, I'd add on to kind of this whole conversation is, so I see Kelly Nixon here. I think about um, people like Dean McFarlane, her dad, the community that they had in their life and have in their life when we were dating. So it was very obvious there was a lot of communication between them and their community. And how's Rachel Jason, how's that part of their life going? And so I'd, I'd hang out with them Kyle Thompson, whatever, and these men that I really didn't know till I was a senior, junior in high school would be asking me, hey, so are you, you know, treating Rachel right? Are you making out, laying down? And I'm like, what, what? <laughs> it's not, what's your name again? So there, there was a lot of that. Like, it was intrusive and invasive, but it was so healthy to have that, like, continual check-in, knowing his buddy Al, their family friend, Nails, that He's not going to be shy about, you know, bringing that in and, and saying, hey, how's, how's this going? Um, so 
I think that's a that's a great that's a great tool that you can use to bring your community in to reiterate that with your daughter as well as their boyfriend and vice versa. Yeah. And it's protection. It's protection for them and it's the whole thing about community where sometimes we don't want to be known and oh, I don't want to bring that into the light, but it really it it gives another level of protection for you and your kids. So that was good. Yeah, just on the whole modesty thing, too, we didn't have boys and girls. You know, we just had girls. So we, we didn't have to decide when was too late for them to be bathing together. But there is a time, okay? Like when they're asking about body part differences, it's, you know, there's a time when there's modesty where they don't need to be bathing together. And there are things that uh, kids do when they're little that are really cute that are not, again, cute when they're 15, things that they wear. Uh, Audrey was naked the first two years of her life. We couldn't keep her in clothes. You know, that's really not cute at 15. Um, so we had to con- constantly remind her, you need to wear clothes. You need to cover your top. You need to have something on your bottom. And, and even though that's cute at 18 months, you've got to reinforce those ideas early. Yeah. I think- and, and so on that, I think the the respect that they had from their daughters uh, and like from my parents that we had for our parents because they continually were advocates for us. They encouraged us. They were always, you know, one step behind and ahead of us. And so uh, just that continual support that we always had, even though it was frustrating to hear my mom in seventh grade say I couldn't date Caroline Burns. I was so upset at her, but I understood, you know, now and especially then at that point I was like, Hey, I know my mom, even though I hate her guts right now, I absolutely love her and I cherish her opinion. Um, and I know she has my best interest in mind. And so it's the exact same thing when they said that the respect that they had because they knew they were continually really for them, that even when it's those little things that, hey, you can't go to that movie with that group, come on, seriously, but I know you have my best interest in mind. And it just plays a role in all of this impurity and all that and just trusting that what they have for you is best. So. Yeah, the, the, the biggest payday for all of this and all the hard conversations, when she got married, when Callie's dad, who officiated the wedding, that's a weird word, officiated, he did the wedding, right? Uh, whatever. Um, he said, who gives this woman, her mother and I, you know, and then Rachel takes that ring off, that purity ring, and hands it to me. I mean, that, that's a moment in life. I waved it. And I said, I'll explain later, because I knew not everybody would know exactly what was going on there. But that was, that was a cool, cool moment. And that's the payoff for all of this kind of stuff later. So have that as a vision for what it can be if you really have the hard conversations and work through it. And, and, it, and not all of our girls may have that same story. I mean, it, it won't be, I mean, Jason's a great dude. He's not perfect by any means, but... He, there's not too many Jasons out there that did. They dated really, really well. And that's not often the story, but it can be. It can be. Any other questions that didn't? I think we covered all the ones that were written. Yes.
Yeah, our girls stopped getting ready with me in the room when they were right out of diapers that early. Or maybe a little bit older than that, maybe four, four or five. Just to give them that boundary themselves so that they could start learning about modesty. And um, There's no hard and fast on that. I mean, I think you just got to use your judgment. But I think it's hard to, it, the longer you go, the harder it is for it to not be. You know, I have a friend that still walks around in front of his girls in his underwear, and I think, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, immodest or modest? Im- yeah, I, I grew up around naked people. <laughs> Backstage at the apparel mart with a bunch of women changing clothes all the time. That was a little odd. Modesty was... <laughs> now is a big deal. Back then, not so much. The ceremonies? Yeah, the first one was just the purity ring. The second one was really, at 16, was this idea that we're giving you more control over your life. And it's just, it's the car keys. And we would talk to them, and we would always give this example. When I throw you the car keys, it's because you've now learned how to drive. I wouldn't throw you the car keys if you didn't know how to drive. Same way, we talked about purity. I didn't just say on on your wedding night, good luck. You know, they were prepared. They had heard a lot of those conversations. And then on the last one was the send-off when they were 18, right before they went off to college. And we used uh, a verse in, in Psalm 127 that talks about children are a gift. They're like an arrow in the hand of a warrior. And we talked about how God gives us these kids as arrows. And the warrior, what does he do with that arrow? He hones the tip. He puts the feather in the right place. He gets it as, as best as he knows how to get it so it will fly towards its target. But he has to release it, right? And, and hopefully when he releases it, it goes to, towards its intended target. So that was the idea. You're going off to college. You can do anything you want now. You're, you're on your own. And remember what we told you. And Jason, remember, I have a car. I can come hunt you down. So. Yeah. Uh, um, the 16 one, I think it was on their birthday. The, the, the first one was just the Christmas of their 13th year. We did it around Christmas. And the last one would, would be after they graduated from high school, right before they went off to college. So, August. yeah, late August. Are we done? Weren't they great? Wasn't that good information? Thank you all so much. It's funny to think about, like, our two- and four-year-olds and one- and three-year-olds and even smaller babies um, being teenagers and dealing with so much of the, that. But so much of what we're doing right now with them is laying the, gra- the groundwork for that thing, that type of stuff. And um, like at our house, I have a boy who's almost five and a girl who's almost three. And we talk so much about like um, modesty and privacy. And those are words that they don't really quite get yet. But as you practice them and as you use them and say, oh, we're closing the bathroom door for you to have privacy. Or, oh, we're going to put this shirt on so that you're modest. Um, and just introducing those words now really will help later on. Um, and then one thing that we do, the question about... Um, dividing the house, you have two boys and two girls, and you know, where does everybody go? Um, a rule that we have is that we don't close bedroom doors, like if they're playing in a room with friends. Um, and re- really, even if it's, just my, if it's just my two kids, we don't close doors. Um, but we do close doors if they're going to the bathroom. So like with potty training, that can be kind of tricky. Um, but I've just, we're just training that we don't, we don't close doors when friends are over um, 
unless you're in the bathroom like by yourself or if you need mommy to come help you. So those are just some thoughts of what you can do with your littles as we're getting ready for them to grow into teenagers that we want to um, see them succeed um, with purity and dating and just um, living the way that we want, we want them to live. So that's all. You have a few more minutes at your tables before you have to go get your kids. Um, let me see what time it is. Yeah, you have about 10 minutes um, at your tables before you need to go get your kids. Thanks so much.